Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. It is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023, and I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Tyler Page. Tyler, how are we doing? Doing real good, AJ. What a race, man. What a race. It was great. If you didn't catch it, Marcus Erickson won the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete. It was, yeah, it was chaotic. It was a mess. Um, Marcus Erickson didn't take the lead until like three laps to go. Um, past paddle award to to win it um and i don't know i mean i guess he's just kind of the king of these chaotic races um which might might be lost on you because you didn't really watch the last couple well, of years I, but yeah i saw the 500 win right but i didn't that's all i've seen um and that was fairly chaotic uh so i i, I kind of get it but there's two more i gotta finish the puzzle yeah, well, so he so he won in Nashville, the, the first Nashville Grand Prix, where he actually got airborne um, in the race and still ended up winning. Um, he won his first race in Detroit. It was uh, um, Will Power was leading, and there was a red flag, and Will Power's car didn't start. Um, and, yeah, it's just, for whatever reason, he seems to come out on top in all these crazy races. Um, other big storyline coming from this week was uh, McLaughlin, Scott McLaughlin and Romain Grosjean colliding with maybe 20 laps left fighting for the lead scotty mack was coming out of the pits on cold tires defended maybe a little too hard and tyler we can get into that um yeah yeah i mean what what was your take on all that going on i mean that was kind of uh kind of changed the entire race in a split second yeah i mean right from the get-go with uh this race it was just like non-stop action and i don't it's funny the comparison between marketing, I think, between uh, IndyCar and other sports where mm-hmm. it like IndyCar's putting out tweets like carbon fiber on carbon fiber. Like they're kind of <laughs> like this crash was really cool, which it was. Yeah. But it's also like dangerous. I don't know. Um, and it, hey, I mean, whatever sells. Uh, I, I don't doubt that they're worried about the, the drivers, but it's just kind of a funny. Uh, I feel like they were leaning more into that. I've seen other sports too. Um, Yeah. So uh, right, right from the get go, when you have the five car pile up. Yeah. That obviously doesn't happen that often. Um, No. But do you think it was something more with the track, more with the wind uh, or, you know, maybe it's Ferrucci. I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know. Well, it seemed like, I don't know. It, what the consensus is out there. I, I haven't read too much reaction on it, but to me, it seemed like it was kind of all it stemmed from that Scott Dixon, Felix Rosenquist contact coming into turn three there. Mm. Um, it seemed like, I don't know if you watched any of the practice or qualifying or anything like that, but it seemed like that was kind of a trouble spot. I know there was a, a hard hit in the Indy next 
which formerly known as Indy Lights. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know there's a big wreck, at least one there. Um, a lot of people, that whole three, four complex there, people were having trouble. I don't know if it got repaved or what. I thought I heard something from Graham Rahal about yeah. that. I don't know. It seemed like that was just a trouble spot. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of a mystery. I did get a chance to watch any of the practices. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched a bit of qualifying, but I was seeing the tweets go through from, you know, mm-hmm. Indy Car, like, oh, crash here, crash here. And it was, uh, and then he had at the start of the program, you had Scott Dixon being interviewed, and he's like, oh, you got to watch out for turn three and four. It's, uh, <laughs> so they just resurfaced, and it's, it's a little wonky over there. And they asked Ferrucci later, you know, what's going on over there? Like, like, what was your opinion of the, the race? And he's like, yeah, I don't really know, man. Someone just hit me. Uh, <laughs> and- <laughs> I mean, are you saying you think it was Ferrucci's fault? Is that what you're? I'm not. I think he could have done something to not do that. Who was the guy? Who was the person that hit that car without it? Seemed, it looked like non-trained eye. It looked like they did not try to stop even. Oh, the um, guy coming in at the end that hit Devlin yeah. and Francesco, the car that popped yes. up in the air. Like, I think Hinch said it looked like an iRacing crash, which it totally did. That was the exact thing I was thinking. <laughs> um, that was Benjamin Peterson. He's uh, he's actually Santino's teammate. He's the new he's a rookie with Foyt. I don't know from that yeah. from that angle from behind looking from the outside of turn yeah, three yeah, down exactly. to turn four. It looks like his tires are smoking. It looks like he's locked up. I mean, it's it's so quick. I don't think either of us can comprehend how quick that actually is and how quick you have to react. But yeah, I yeah. my first the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my god, this guy just like was to like had the pedal to the floor. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> just slammed well, right into as hard as I can. But it, upon watching it a couple times, I think he was just locked up and couldn't slow it down in time. But. Who knows? I haven't seen anything. All I saw was a video of, I don't know. Did you see that of the I, car after the race? Uh, no, I didn't. I was just trying. I, I watched the crash over and over and over. Cause I was like, where well, you won't know, with it, with any car, open wheel racing. It's like these little things are happening. And like, I kind of have to hone in, mm-hmm. uh, it's like instant replay almost uh, for any other sports where you're like, what's happening mm-hmm. with this tire? What what are the guy's hands doing? Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, to find, you know, sort of guilt. But I don't know if I need to. It seems like it's just an unfortunate accident, but maybe they should not, uh, you know, uh, maybe they should resurface the road a bit better. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's, it seems like it was dangerous uh, racing conditions. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like how IndyCar doesn't. I mean, F1 they go in and they, you know, it's not really a street course. It's they pave over. Yeah. They pave a racetrack over city streets. I've <laughs> I've never seen marbles like that. Like as many or as big. Yeah, I mean that's every as, as IndyCar that race. race. That's every yeah. IndyCar race. I like you. If you go to the 500 or, I mean, any race and you sit close enough, you'll like get little flex rubber on your arms. And, you know, when you got sunscreen, it's all sticky and you see it on the on the track. Like it's it's like that every race. Um, But 
I don't know. I, I like the character of having the real city streets and all the bumps and that being a thing that you have to deal with as a driver. Mm-hmm. Granted, if it's causing problems like this, I don't know <laughs> if that's worth it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think everyone was okay, but um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe like 30 years ago, this mm-hmm. they would not be okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's so. a very good point. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's another thing with the arrow screen coming in the last couple of years. I mean, I, that video that I was that I just mentioned, Jay Fry, who's I don't know, he's VP of IndyCar or something. Um, can't remember his exact title, but I just saw it on Twitter, and the the whole front end of Benjamin Peterson's car is just totally destroyed. There's a huge hole in the nose there. And then you can see the paint on the arrow screen. So Devlin DeFrancesco's car just ramped up the front and off the arrow screen. And that's why he popped up like he did. But I mean, five years ago, the arrow screen wasn't there. And who knows how that crash would have ended if the arrow screen wasn't there. So I don't know. I mean, it's a good thing. But I mean, that kind of... What did you think of the McLaughlin and and Grosjean crash? Because that... Kind of had a similar, I mean, so similar situation where Scotty Mack was getting kind of got out of control on the on the bumps going into turn four there and just hip check Grosjean into the tires. That that's what that uh, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> um, but uh, it was like so I I got spoiled for the moment because I I went to the bathroom and then I checked Twitter <laughs> some as one does when in the bathroom and then yeah. Uh, and then I saw it happen, and so I was waiting for it to happen, and it didn't. Uh, it didn't lessen it because it's still the race leaders, and mm-hmm. it felt like you know. So Scott Scott McLaughlin's coming out of the pit, right? Yeah, and he cut right in front of Grosjean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't seem right to me. Like I don't feel. I feel like I don't it- know. I think that's just a, <laughs> the, a product the, of the the track itself. Like that's, it's a street course. It's not going to be perfect. It's it's got to it be an awkward. It looked so dangerous. <laughs> it was like, I don't know. Um, but hey, I'm for it, man. It was exciting, mm-hmm. and I thought you know it, it kind of sucked that like their cars and like uh they were pretty like not damaged at all, right? They just went to the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Scotty Mack kept so... going. McLaughlin kept yeah like, yeah he, he backed it up out of there got re- restarted and kept on moving i mean he finished the lap down because he had to drive the penalty I, but i really liked when grosjean got out of the car and then banged on the tires and then some guy <laughs> you know some safety guy was like are you okay and he just goes yeah gave thumb, the thumbs up you know, yep <laughs> <laughs> i, I laughed at that himself. too <laughs> he he's such a hothead i don't know i He's he seems kind of crazy a little bit to me, but absolutely. After the race, when they were, I think maybe in the medical tent or something like that, mm-hmm. um, he was just like they're interviewing him, and he was really playing into Scotty, man. Yeah. And it feels like that was kind of just. I, I I think Scotty might have even got penalized for that. I don't know. But, yeah, he um, did. He had a drive through for it for avoidable contact. I felt like. It was a racing incident, though, for me. I mean, I felt like he left room. Um, I, I do, too. I mean, he did kind of I don't know if he would have made it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't watching the replay, and I, I I can't remember if they said it on the broadcast broadcast or not. I think he, they did, but you could tell he kind of lost the rear end a little bit because he was kind of. You could see the correction in his hands, like he was turning yeah. left as he was, you know, trying to make the right turn, which is never a good sign, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, I I think he just. I mean, cold tires to trying to outbreak a guy, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, think no, there's no way. It wasn't get dirty or egregious. By a mile. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It felt. It didn't feel as bad as like, you know, some of the other stuff that I saw happening. Uh, <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I mean, was the uh, the the other uh, big crash was Kirkwood VK and Harvey right? Yeah, uh, the one uh, uh, who who leapfrogged that guy. I can't, so I can't even, it's Kirkwood. It's hard so if you're familiar, are you familiar with um, Stadium Super Trucks at all? I'm I no. It, no. Okay. <laughs> no. It looked like a Stadium Super Truck, which is a, a Stadium Super Truck is an off road, like off road racing truck that has. I mean, it's literally made for racing in the desert. So the suspension travel on that isn't like inches. It's like a foot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you can. it's made to hit huge potholes in dirt roads and be fine. A hundred miles an hour and not even notice yeah. it. That's what a trophy truck. Yeah. Or and the stadium super trucks, they take them to these street courses like this. It's Robbie Gordon, who was a IndyCar driver, NASCAR driver. In my opinion, one of the best overall drivers of all time that doesn't really get any credit for it, but mm-hmm. that's another discussion. Anyway, <laughs> um, they they bring him to, uh, I know they take him to Long Beach every year, but basically they just set up jumps in the middle of the road and they're launching these trucks off these ramps at, you know, 80 miles an hour or whatever and mm-hmm. getting a good, you know, six feet of air. Anyway, that's what Kyle Kirkwood looked like. And yeah, that was Kyle Kirkwood that got launched over. <laughs> I, I thought over... you were going to. So is, he, is his history in that? Is like, oh, Kirkwood? So, like... No, no. Yeah. He has no history. No, no. Because no. some, you know, some of these guys go in and out of other like, auto racing. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you never know. There are Maybe a couple, he's got I mean, a future in it. Robbie Gordon, for example, was an IndyCar. He, that's how he got his start. Um Matt Brabham, who has run in an Indy 500, he was running in what was then Indy Lights last year. So maybe if things don't pan out, maybe that's an option for him because he clearly handled it very well. Because <laughs> despite <laughs> launching 10 feet in the air, it was relatively smooth landing and kept the car in in the show. He, yeah, you know, like I think that, he finished a couple laps down. That, but... that crash didn't feel like as much of a racing incident or, you know, someone clipped a corner and they couldn't control themselves. It, it felt like people were, uh, you know, one guy gets in the wall and a few others just can't avoid him. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, it did kind of start Joseph Newgarden kind of, I don't know if it was late. They didn't really pay much attention to that aspect of it. Cause it was such a ridiculously looking crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Joseph Newgarden did kind of dive in him. I don't know if it was late or not, but I mean, that's kind of how VK ended up in the tires is that he was getting past and didn't have enough room, couldn't make the turn and 
you know, and that's how it all ended up. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that one, I, I felt like that was a racing incident too. Just unfortunate. I don't think anyone was really to blame there, but. Yeah. Um, the, the end result of so many guys having to retire, uh, uh-huh. is that, is that a word you guys use? Retire. retire. Yeah. Yeah. DNF. <laughs> DNF. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the end result, I think you had uh, some good racing at the end and some people competing for points mm-hmm. that they would not have been competing for otherwise. Uh, and that that's always uh, welcome. You know, I think it mixes things up. And speaking of which, are there different points scored for a road race versus an oval still? No, no, it's Is all it... the same. It's all it's 50 points for okay. a win, 40 for second, one for leading a lap, one for pole, and then two for leading the most laps. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's Colton Herta. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a rough one to watch too. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, what 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 did you make of that? Um, you know, I I I, I it's hard to remember. It's been a it's been a minute since mm-hmm. I've actually watched the race. Yeah. Uh, by that I mean a few hours. Uh, but uh, you know, I <laughs> I felt like he. He came off. He was pretty pissed too. He, he was. came off the track and was like, you know, I had a car that that could compete, um, and you know, it looked like he was gonna get pretty uh, pretty high uh, points. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like that one uh, power was definitely at fault. Uh, oh, hundred percent. Seemed like to me. But yeah, no, I mean, power probably <laughs> should have backed out the first because yeah. they kind of. Kind of made. I can't remember what turn that is. It's just that weird little slow complex. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm with you. I think Power should have backed out. I mean, he kind of he was getting passed, and yeah, Colton's day, and that's kind of a shame, especially because Colton is my pick to win the championship (laughs) (laughs) from from the previous episode. Uh, Yeah, I was kind of bummed. I I and I think. Colton probably had a car to win too. If without mm-hmm. John in in there at the end, I mean, I think he could have had something for Pato and Marcus Erickson for sure. Um, yeah. Which I mean, that's just I mean, I was I was racing cool. though. It's that's you know that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I, I imagine the crashes for ovals are a lot. I mean, I've seen a couple, and they're all, they seem just a lot scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's even like so many people have gone on record. So many F1 drivers are racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people around the world have just been like, "I will not do ovals. I won't yeah. do IndyCar." So that's like testament to to something unique we have. Yeah, I mean, I think people are a lot more willing to back out on an oval. Which I mean, an oval coming up. I mean, it's not for another month now, but <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be racing at Texas, which is the second fastest track other than the Indy 500. So, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, th- people are definitely more, like I said, more willing to back out. And obviously crashes are way more violent when you're going 200 as opposed to 100 and whatever. Probably not even yeah. 100 at that in that corner. So, um. I don't know. Will Power should have backed out. That that's the moral of the story. I think is, and I mean he got penalized for it. I think. Uh, I mean they talked about it on the broadcast that when they get penalized, do they also get fined, or is it just like if you get penalized when you retire, what happens? I don't know if they get fined. I think 
I think it's either if you serve a penalty during a race, if it's just like a normal racing incident, you know, within mm. the scope of normal racing activities, I think it's just if you get penalized during the race, that's it. There was a while where they were penalizing for things like running over the air hose and the pits and stuff. They were like fining people for that kind of stuff as opposed to as opposed to making them serve an in-race penalty. But um, I don't know if they're doing that anymore. I, I haven't seen anything like that in a while. So there, there's a funny moment in qualifying where Ferrucci, uh exited the pit box a solid like, you know, four seconds before everyone else. Um, <laughs> I didn't see that. It, I didn't know that. That's it fun. was. Yeah, he just. So I clearly peeled out and then like a couple seconds later, everyone else did. Um, <laughs> like what's going on down there where you got where that's happening. These are fundamental issues. Okay. <laughs> that is fascinating. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. I mean, it's, it's gotta be yeah, like, I mean, that's Foyt though for you. I mean, we, we didn't really touch on this last episode, really? but Foyt has been in the last 20 years, the Foyt team has struggled a lot. <laughs> they've just with probably like won a handful of races. Yeah. I mean, they've just struggled for, for results, for wins. They haven't had drivers stick around for a long time. They haven't had engineers and strategists stick around for a long time. And I don't know what is the cause of that. I mean, AJ Foyt is in his upper eighties at this point and he's, Kind of known that to guy's be not doing anything. Well, is he that no, guy's still running the know, show? I mean, he's had all kinds <laughs> of health issues too. I don't know if he's still kind of trying to be really hands on running the team, but he's notorious back in the day. I don't know when it was, but he got out of the car and like started like started fixing the car himself and made his mechanics get out of the way because he was like, You idiots are doing it wrong. You don't know what you're doing. This is, you know. I can respect that. I know but I can what I'm also, doing. Also, not respect that because you got to put your trust in the team. It's um, very aggressive. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, I don't know if that's still. I mean, he's always been a hothead. He's always been very emotional and and you know very controlling. But I mean, he's also built a lot of winning cars and won an insane amount of races. So. Yeah, that's surprising to me that like don't have their crap together, especially because as an outsider, AJ like AJ Foyt, that's you know that's one of the names I recognize. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of feels like there should be a standard there. I I didn't mention Andretti last time uh, when mm-hmm. I was talking about the big names, mm-hmm. uh, but it was uh, I do I, I feel like I'm learning to not like Andretti. I don't know. This is just coming from. Uh, you know, having four drivers, uh, right? They have four cars out there. Yeah. This race, at least. Yeah. So that feels cheap to me. <laughs> well, so uh, it's that, like the Yankees. Well, we'll see. De Francesco is the fourth car, and that car probably wouldn't be there if he wasn't paying for it. Like, yeah, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's a pay driver because I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure he's bringing a lot of money to that car. And I don't think it would be because it it was James Hinchcliffe who's in the booth now. He helped bring in some sponsors Mm -hmm. and they added that car for him. um, And he didn't do very well. I mean, Hinch is, you know, he won the pole for the 2016 Indy 500 and he's won a handful of races. And I mean, he can hold his own. He's not an all world driver by any means. Um, But most of the year, it'll be 
I can't even remember the name of the company that's on the car, but it's, I think for the most part, it's Devlin DeFrancesco being like, I know these people who will pay me to put their thing on the car if I'm driving it. <laughs> so here's their check. Now I'm going to go drive the car. That's essentially how it works. Hey, I mean, if that's what you want to do with your money uh, or your, you know, your relationships, more power to you. Uh, but you better be, you better be a damn good driver. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he ran in, in lights he ran in indie lights and I don't think he, you know, he didn't light the world on fire, but he was respectable. I think I, I don't know for sure. I'll check, take a look at his, see how he finished. He finished six in Indy Lights. He finished second in Indy Pro 2000. So it's not like it's not like he was know. great, but he was he was all right. And I mean, he didn't if cause a wreck, <laughs> <laughs> so he deserves a break. Yeah. But I mean, that car yeah. would be out there in terms of Andretti having four cars. That car wouldn't be out there without him. Yeah, this was the first time I've I've heard De Francesca speak, and. uh <laughs> He's Italian Canadian. Um, and he, I I don't know what the accent was, but I had never really heard that before. I, it almost sounded Irish. I thought um, the same exact thing. I, I can't recall ever seeing him being interviewed on TV. I was shocked. Yeah. It blew me away. <laughs> it, it was one of those moments where I, you know, like sometimes I just have that stuff in the background. Um <laughs> And I just turned my head and I'm like, whoa, that's coming <laughs> yeah. out of that guy. I was um, like, am I hearing this right? Yeah. Now? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, hey, I'm, wh- whatever happened, I like it. I like his accent. So it was definitely interesting. It, it totally, totally took me by surprise. And just some other things that happened at the top of the race, I feel like I have to address. Yeah. Because um, this doesn't happen. For, first, Chris Atkins had that national anthem. And uh, I'm not, by no means am I a country music fan. <laughs> but that was hell of an anthem. That's pretty good. Uh, the prayer. Uh, yeah, the prayer. I Do they pray before every race? They do. They do. I know I've asked you this. Yeah. That's, Is that, I think that's I'm, a distinctly I'm sure, American thing. Because they do it at NASCAR races, too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, like, you, you've heard about the football coaches in the, yeah. in the locker room or something. Like, mm-hmm. it, I'm sure it happens in other areas. It's just uh, televised. Not something you see everywhere. Uh, no. So I, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. I'll be watching and grading the prayers as we go on, I guess. So. Well, that prayer watch one was solid. Well, it's funny because there's like yeah. two versions. So there's the version we got on Sunday, which was like very serious and solemn, but also like hopeful. Also, he was getting whipped yeah. with the flag the entire time. I don't know if you noticed that. And he was also dressed like a monk. <laughs> yeah, I did. Which was very interesting. Yes. Um, typically, they're like... He, he was a friar. He was a friar. So I think was that's he really like, did they introduce what him they as friar? Yeah. I want a friar. It's in something friar. Unless, <laughs> unless it's his last name. I mean, it, <laughs> uh, that'd be too ironic. Um, friar, friar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping he's at every race because he certainly helped us get a very compelling and yeah, action packed hey. race. But there's, it's funny because there's safe. Like, oh yeah, he did his job. He he was there, and he, he did, did exactly job. what he needed to do. <laughs> like I like I was saying, there's there's two versions of the pre race, the invocation, the pre race prayer. You get, like I said, this very like solemn, serious, very earnest prayer, 
And then you yeah. get the other version, which is like, you know, this like born again Christian who's like, praise the Lord, raise hell. <laughs> like, let's go fast, <laughs> boys. Like you get. Yeah. Like you kind of like an exciting, like a more new age. Yeah. I would say. Like, yeah. Dear Lord, have us some badass racing today. <laughs> like the, those are the only. It's one or the other. It's never. It's never in between. It's like always it. one or the other. Which both the, have their flares. They do, and the, and the 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 new age version definitely gets the crowd hyped, which I always appreciate, regardless of how you feel about that, you free yeah, race prayer. But good crowd energy yes. is uh, it's necessary. Yeah, when there's an or, or, an ordained minister yelling boogity 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 in front of three hundred thousand people, you're gonna get hyped no matter what. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> all you gotta do. Yeah, man. Well, so what what other things did you want to talk about from the race? I mean, there were, it was action packed from start to beginning. That's or from start to beginning, from beginning to end. <laughs> from, hey, um, <laughs> yeah. So one. One thing, uh, production uh, wise. Uh-huh. So this obviously, I watched the race on Peacock. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh-huh, Peacock NBC, uh, NBC broadcasts. You know, White Sox games. So I'm a huge White Sox fan. Mm-hmm. Couldn't help but notice they have the same graphics, uh, with uh, slightly altered uh, <laughs> color scheme, <laughs> and you know, uh. Assets, but uh, that was pretty I think interesting. That's NBC I, just I, saving I, a buck, absolutely. But the the picture in picture that they do, the backdrop where mm-hmm. most of the space is not the race, is <laughs> yes. a problem. It makes no <laughs> sense. It makes yeah. No it's sense. like the race is going on in the upper right. <laughs> yeah. Um. They also in the middle of it just cut to a video of Grosjean landing a plane on, on the <laughs> strip. You know. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I know Tyler's going to say something about this. Yeah, because what the heck? I can't (laughs) get behind that because you're taking away from what I'm trying to watch right now. I get it. It's cool. That's a pre-show. That's a pre-race thing. Um, Not in the middle of it. I totally agree. It was cool. It was cool. I liked seeing it. Don't want to see it in the middle of the race. <laughs> and then lastly, this will be the last thing I complain about production wise, which just black screens happening probably every 15 to 30 minutes where it just cuts out. The feed just cuts out. Uh, don't know what was going on. but I'm glad you said that because I, I felt... thought it was just my internet going out. No, I, I have great internet. <laughs> so <laughs> I know I, I was like, this is not me. This is uh, this is a them issue. Um, and it, I mean, so yeah, there's there's some things they could do to clean it up, man. Um, I you know you make it make it exciting, give the sport uh the production value it deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think they do a great job already, but there's just these little things they can fix, you know. Yeah, I mean it, it is the first race of the season. I think all the the production people are a little bit out of practice too. I, I don't know if want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They gotta get some. Yeah, they don't, they don't get spring training, so. Yeah, I want to chuck the guy who's running the wires or something. He's <laughs> plugging him in the wrong way on accident or something. I get it. There's a whole like people. Don't, I don't know if people understand how much goes into the production behind like mm-hmm. televising sports. It is massive. It's not an easy thing, especially when you have cars moving around that track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, yeah, on a temporary track like that, too, because I, I found myself at one point thinking like, man, they could have some better camera angles. Like some of these camera angles really suck. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, they probably don't really have much say in where the cameras go. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like you're in the industry, but, you know, some people who are, if you know a little bit about how all that stuff works, like they're kind of just at the mercy of infrastructure. Right. Yeah. And most of the time, unless it's like big national broadcasts and mm-hmm. like you're kind of just working with what you got or mm-hmm. they contract out to local people to to do the actual camera work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you know uh IndyCar does but I or even it's probably the venue the race mm-hmm. uh but yeah I mean they they're probably pigeonholed into certain camera angles and if you're trying to make a better race if you're trying to get your you know if you're trying to get your course back onto uh onto the uh platform onto mm-hmm. IndyCar then maybe you say hey we got this brand new camera set up I don't know mm-hmm. yeah overall I thought the broadcast was all right I didn't think it was anything you know I I didn't see anything new. Um, usually you're kind of hoping for something that they've innovated over the off season that, yeah, that'll add to the broadcast. Um, and I know you've said to me before that you appreciate seeing the data and, you know, some of the, the more analytical stuff that, uh, uh, especially F1 does very well, um, mm-hmm. in terms of information available to you during the race. Um, I was hoping for more of that stuff. I I know one of the I don't know if it was Marty Snyder, one of the the pit lane reporters mentioned the pit lane delta at some point, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel like every time I watch an F one race, that's flashed on screen like twenty times, and so like by the end of the it, race, when there's a critical pit stop where someone's either trying to you know pull off the undercut or overcut or whatever, like I know how long it's going to take for them to stop and change tires at that point and. That's something I would want to see for an IndyCar race yeah. at some point. Yeah, when Marty Snyder, when they, I don't know if they flashed his graphic or like actually had audio for him. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but uh, they they were doing a decent job of like analysis and data on uh, Twitter on the, uh-huh. which was interesting because it's like okay, you have the data, mm-hmm. why isn't it uh, being represented in the broadcast as much? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, but they're you know like they were like Romain Grosjean's going to pit at you know lap thirty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of kind of cool to see. Okay, is he actually going to do that? What's going to happen around the lap thirty three? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I could, I definitely could hope for some more data though. And uh, like, is there anywhere F one has the? Uh, they always advertise it like the press the red button on your you know <laughs> remote, uh, <laughs> and it like he can change your the camera angles. Is there anywhere to go to watch like a? indie race from a certain camera angle like that's on the car or something like that um i know the app has onboards i don't really use the app i've never used it um i know they just updated it and kind of overhauled it but um the one thing that has always bugged me about indycar especially now watching more f1 than i used to um is that they have an onboard on every car and like, there's always going to be a way to access the onboard from any driver in the race at any point during the race. And IndyCar doesn't do that. It's always like they max out at like 10 or 14 or whatever. And I think there's some of that other data available on the app, but I'll, uh, I'll check the app more during the race, I guess. I, Cause I, that's not, I have it, 
and it looks nice, but I, I was not checking it during the race. Yeah. I mean, I, in the past when I've, um, when I've haven't been able to watch a race live or not necessarily race, but even just qualifying or practice or whatever, like I'm at work or something, they had live timing and scoring that you can pull up online and it shows you. That's one thing I pay attention to a lot during any 500 practice because they show like trap speeds at the end of turn at the end of the front straight, you know, exiting turn mm-hmm. two and a back straight, whatever. Um, and then they have like fastest lap, fastest lap with no toe, like all kinds of stuff, which is really interesting and fun to follow along with if you're really invested and want to spend that time. But um, that's like the extent of the information I've ever found. And that was, it was called race control. And I don't know if they still have that or not. I didn't think to go on and check this weekend at any point, which I will, I'll make a note to do that during the Texas weekend, but yeah, I don't know. I, that we should both make a point to check the app during yeah. the race next next month. I'll check the app. I'll look at you know the data. I like getting insights. Uh, you know, like with baseball, uh, mm-hmm. it's really easy to get like insights that no one else has or very yeah. few people have. Yeah. Uh, because of the, I mean, it's just ballooned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to look at it at least. You know, from an car perspective. But I do, I do have a few questions uh, mm-hmm. about stuff that um, I, I have, you know, I don't understand all this. I'm still new. Yeah. Uh, trying to educate myself. And I think uh, it's, it's time for you to tell me what I don't know. <laughs> so okay. uh, let's start with uh, push to pass and does Stingray Rob know that it exists? What do you mean by that? I saw on your notes that you said does Stingray he Rob had, knows it exists. It was like, it was like lap free. India. He apparently he had like 120, 130 seconds left to push to pass. So maybe we, I don't know if there's any resolution on that. Uh well, he, can you use it too? Does he have to be within a second, like DRS? No. So it they've changed the rules like a million times about it in the past, like since they brought it on. But um for a while it was like you pushed it and you got 15 seconds of increase, like a, a you know. Increased horsepower yeah, and and you only got twenty pushes per, per race. Now it's this one hundred and fifty seconds or however many, and it's just like a fifty horsepower increase. And you push it to turn it on, and you push it to turn it off, and you can use it at your leisure. I think you can't use it within one or two laps after the start or restart. Um, yeah. And I think that's really the only restriction. So like a lot of guys will use it on in laps and out laps, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, you're on cold tires or on old tires trying to pull off that overcut or undercut or whatever, because it it's not like DRS where it's just the, you know, the wing opens and the, you know, the rear wing opens and you just got less drag because it's yeah. an increase in horsepower. It uses more fuel. fuel. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to hit a fuel number, or you're trying to, because I know it was, it was kind of two stops or three stops was kind of the, the strategy for this weekend. I think a lot of the two stop guys probably didn't use very much of it because they're trying to stretch out those windows a little bit in terms of fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stingray Rob, because he was like 20 laps down, I have no idea why he didn't use it. That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> they showed it at one point, you know, and that it stuck out to me because it was like all these people with 50 seconds and then Stingray Rob with like double. <laughs> was, maybe he's a rookie and he's just yeah. trying to, you know, get a handle on it. Doesn't want to crash a car. I get yeah. it. Uh, no, I don't get it. I'm not a driver. Well, I mean, he because but... he was involved in that first lap incident. So he was several laps down most yeah. of the day, I think. Right. So I think yeah, he's yeah. probably just out there essentially running test laps. Like, I don't think he was really paying yeah, much. He's having a nice to... stroll. Yeah. I don't think I think he was just trying to log laps. So he probably wasn't too worried about it. Might have been wise to use it a little bit if because you get a feel for it, at least. Um but yeah, I have no clue why he didn't use it. Yeah, so going off of that, uh, I, they talked a lot. They talk a lot more about downforce in IndyCar than they do in F1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I hear the phrase dirty air, mm-hmm. I associate it with a problem with intake, air intake into the combustion cycle. Mm-hmm. Not downforce, but I noticed like the commentators were just really talking about how the dirty air was impacting the downforce. And I don't understand I'm not I'm not smart. I don't know what what that means. I don't know how that impacts downforce. So uh, they do talk about it in F1 and they I think they kind of use it. They refer to it in different terminology. I hear a lot like managing the gap, which I think I heard Townsend Bell say yes. at some point. Mm-hmm. But like that in when they like talk in F1 too, when they talk about like cooling off the tires or whatever. It's because they're relying more on that mechanical grip from the actual grip of the tires when they get within that, you know, one second, eight tenths of a second window. Mm-hmm. Um, but dirty air. So when, you know, when a car drives through air, the car is designed for the air to kind of move around the car in a certain way mm-hmm. and pass over these planes on the wings and on the underwing and through the diffuser all to generate maximum amount of downforce. But all of that is reliant upon that air being steady when they pass through it. And so when a car passes through the air, it disturbs the air like a significant amount. And that's what you'll Mm -hmm. see in like a wind tunnel when they have that little smoke trail, you know? Yeah. Behind the car, you'll see the air is very turbulent. It's spinning and waving and going in all kinds of different directions because it's being forced around the car in a certain way. And that means when the car behind it is going through that air, that air is still moving and circulating and waving and doing whatever, that it's not hitting the car, the front of the car, in the way that, like the ideal scenario that it's designed for the car to hit it. Yeah. And so... Not all of that air is passing through and around the car in the way they want it to. And so that's what Mm -hmm. dirty air is referring to. Is it's just the air moving around in a way that doesn't promote like peak downforce creation. I I can understand that now. That makes sense. I, in you know, honestly, uh, we'll have a Tory fact for me right now. Yeah. And so like when they refer to clean air which they usually do when they're talking about the leader. I know they talked about that a lot at the start of the race when Grosjean and Herdoff pulled out that huge gap. Mm-hmm. That clean air helps you not only generate more downforce, but helps you save your tires because that grip is more reliant on the downforce than the mechanical grip from the tires. 
I'm not an engineer. That makes sense. So this could all be total bullshit, but this is you've been around long enough to I you probably have a good idea of what's happening, at least, you know. Um yeah. and if if, you, if someone else knows better, feel free to chime in. Shoot us yeah. an email at 16streetpod at gmail.com. Or you could tweet um, at us at 16streetpod. Okay. But yeah, yeah, or tweet at us. Yeah. But yeah. So um, one thing I was thinking about during the race is like, did you know the difference between the primary and alternate tires? Uh, Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can guess. I can guess, right? Yeah. But it's really uh, counterintuitive to what I'm aware of, you know? Well, I feel like they never explained it once. And that's why I was thinking about it, because I was like... <laughs> Well, and for so many years, it's been the Firestone Reds and the Firestone Blacks. And so they recently started making the alternate. But last year, they did it in Nashville, I think. Um, They started making the alternate tires out of this plant that's kind of like agave or rubber. It's called like Wiley or something. I don't know exactly how to say it. They they mentioned this during qualification, too. Yeah. Um. And so it's green now. And so they can't call okay. them Firestone Reds because it's a green sidewall. But um, it used to be a red sidewall. So there's the black sidewall and the red sidewall. And the red sidewall was the softer, faster compound, but it degrades a lot quicker. So it's, and then the primary was the harder, less fast on a single lap tire, but lasts longer over the course of a stint. So your primaries are your your hards and your alternates yes. are your softs. Yes. Okay. And I'm glad that you said that you didn't. Well, I'm not glad, but <laughs> I felt <laughs> I feel vindicated that you didn't know what that meant because I feel like that's a terrible way to describe it, especially for a newcomer like you. I'm not going to come in here and say what you should do, uh, IndyCar, but you know maybe explain it. Uh, and, and maybe there's something to be said about making too many changes too frequently. Well, I, it's I not that it's too that, frequent. But... I mean, they this is the first they've had it for probably 10, 15 years, and it's been Firestone Reds and Firestone Blacks. And it's only on yeah. road and street courses. That's the other thing. Except this year they're gonna do it at Gateway or Worldwide Technology Raceway or whatever it's called now. Mm-hmm. Um, which will be the first oval that they've done it on in I think way back in the day, they used to have different compounds, but I don't know. I was thinking about um, that during the race. I was like, they it would be makes so much more sense and it would be so much more accessible if they just described it as hard and soft. Yeah. Or throw a graphic up there and tell me, hey, these tires are supposed to last this many laps here. Or yeah. Something like that. No, that's a great um, idea. That, that's too. something that they do that in F1. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not trying to make Indie F1, but there are good things that you can grab and take it and make your own. Um, no, absolutely. You know. I think IndyCar should be looking to F1 because F1, despite clearly lots of people not really caring about racing, has like captured attention of a lot of people. And yeah, there are a lot of people who saw it on Netflix like yourself who were like, oh, this is cool, and turned it on when it was on, and are still watching, like, five years later. But if you're looking to compare the two races this weekend, it's clear IndyCar was a better race. Um, oh, absolutely. Than Bahrain. Um, <laughs> like, that, yeah. by a long shot. Uh, so, I, it's like, you have 
at least in this instance, a superior product, figure out how to market it. Um, and yeah. I'm, we don't need to spend that much time on this. Uh, no, I mean, we can, this, because I, I don't come I, up a bunch over the course of the season, but I know what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I have gripes. Um, the other thing that confused me, um, I think I figured it out eventually, mm-hmm. but this pertains uh, mostly to, I think, if I remember correctly, Grosjean and uh, McLaughlin, mm-hmm. the blend line. Um, yeah. That is the point of the pit line, of, of the uh, the pit stop, the uh, the pit lane. Yeah. Um, that's so the it's... point where you are re-entering the race. Yeah. So as soon as pit lane ends, that's yeah. when you can get off the pit lane speed limiter, which there's a speed limit for the length of pit lane. And it's usually like 60 or 80 miles an hour or whatever. It depends on the track. Um, but yeah, that's when they can get off the, the pit lane limiter and it's full throttle depending on the track. Um, but it's not really relevant unless there's a yellow. And so that line extends all the way across the track. And it's a little weird because the way pit lane and the front stretch are laid out there at a place like Andy, like it's very, they're right next to each other. It's very easy to tell what is like, who's ahead at that point in time. And it makes sense that that's where it is, but um, yeah, it extends all the way across. And when a yellow comes out for whatever reason, they time things where if you cross that line coming out of pit lane and you're ahead of someone on the track in that straight line, all the way across, then you're ahead. But um, yeah, I can see why that would be difficult to follow. It might exist in other, it might exist in F1. I just may, maybe I missed it, but it was pretty important this time around. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. So then going from that, uh, someone mentioned thirsty threes. I don't know <laughs> what that means. Yeah. So thirsty threes, um, there's not a whole lot to it. Scott McLaughlin like nicknamed his team the Thirsty Threes because he's number three. That's like the like extent it. of it. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't know if there's a more involved story behind it, but yeah, it's just what Scott All McLaughlin. Right. I he posts about there, it on Twitter. I think that's where it originated. I think he just started referring to them. Yeah, Threes on there. He he was going off today on Twitter about something I didn't quite see, but um. He's pretty yeah, I mean, I like online. it. He he tweets a lot. I like those kind of people. They can get in trouble, but yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he good. he he doesn't seem shy about about getting mm-hmm. into trouble, and that's like I think Grosjean said something about it during his interview about like his super, you know, his supercar days. Do, do you remember hearing that? Yeah, yeah, I remember him saying. Uh, he, he, I mean, Grosjean came out and he was just swinging. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, there's this classic it's Surfer's Paradise. This classic highlight of Scott McLaughlin in supercars just sending it into whatever turn, just absolute dive bomb. I <laughs> I I had never heard of Scott McLaughlin. I remember seeing the highlight on like Jalopnik or something somewhere on the internet in like 2015 of him from a mile back just like no concern for humanity, <laughs> just <laughs> breaking as late as humanly possible. And that's kind of been my impression of him 
from that moment on. And like he was in super, he won like three championships or whatever. Yeah. He's, I like him. I think he's, he, IndyCar needs more, more drivers like Scotty McLaughlin, in my opinion. Yeah. I think you need more personalities. For as much uh, as I don't know IndyCar, it has been really good seeking out the content mm-hmm. about the drivers, about the teams, about the history of the sport mm-hmm. uh, and learning it. Um, it's, it's become more accessible as I've learned to navigate, but uh, you know, it's not like in your face, like baseball, yeah. like football. Yeah. It's something you got to go for. Um, yeah. So who did you, uh, who'd you feel for the most that, uh, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of broken hearts in, in this race. There were, um, <laughs> well, we, have, I feel like I should say this because we haven't really talked about it, but I mean, Pato had the way the race won. Like it was, yes, he was leading with three laps left and he had a weird misfire. I don't know if you heard the explanation, the the explanation, the plenum fire or whatever. Was he the fire? Was he the guy that, yeah, the back caught on fire? Well, no. So that was, was Joseph he... Newgarden. Okay. Who was the one that accidentally, it looked like they slipped and ex- hit the pit lane cylinder in the middle of the straight. Yeah, that was Pato. That was pot. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, Hinch was going on like, oh, you know, I think he hit the pit lane limiter, which I don't, well, obviously he did because like a minute later, or obviously he didn't because like a minute later they came on and said it was the plenum fire, which is essentially like the intake of the, the, the air and fuel mixture lit on fire before okay. it entered the pit. you know? Yeah. I remember them saying that, but I didn't totally understand what they were saying. Yeah. And and so basically apparent, you know, from what I read, um, there's a good article by Nathan Brown from the Indy star, um, which I highly encourage you to, to read more from Nathan Brown. Um, but essentially the only way to solve it is to let off the gas. And so that's why I think Hinch thought that he just, cause you lose all power. Cause there's no, I mean, if, if you know how an engine works, like it's the explosion, the spark of the, the air and fuel pushing down the piston. Mm-hmm. And if there's no, if like it's already caught on fire, there's no fuel and air to catch, you know, to spark, to, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to create that force. So obviously yeah, you have to let off power, let off the gas so that it just kills the fire. Yeah. And ox comes back in, then you reintroduce the gas. Yeah. From what yeah. I can tell. And okay. so, yeah, that's why he just came out of the last turn there and had no power and got passed. And yeah, because I mean, he was, I mean, he still finished second, so I don't feel that bad for him. It's not like it ruined his day, but. I mean, he had the, the win in the back. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really funny that Erickson won, uh, mostly because <laughs> he had this, he had this stance during the, uh, uh, during the national anthem or. Uh, the prayer, I can't remember which, but he just kind of had his hand on his hip. <laughs> they looked very like judgy. He's probably just focused. I I like Marcus Erickson quite it's a bit. Scandinavian um, personality. They're just different. Yeah. yeah. And what's up with, with, you know, like is carding must be big up there or like they just have a good pedigree. I don't, I don't know. Because uh, there's a lot of like Scandinavian drivers, man. Overly represented for... <laughs> the population, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there's two in IndyCar right now, right? Because there's Ericsson and, and Felix Rosenquist, who are both Swedish. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know if there's been a ton of fins in IndyCar, but there've been a, a ton in F1. Um, mm-hmm. Norwegians? I don't know. Dude, Norway, I feel like Norwegians don't care about anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're fishing. Yeah, they're living good lives out there. Leave them alone, man. <laughs> you know, they they don't need your carts or your cars <laughs> even. <laughs> they have their skis and they'll be they'll be good. The one thing I need to mention I know we're getting towards the end of the show. So this is, but this is a nice little note. Uh, Scott McLaughlin's racing gloves. They go up to like, you know, probably the end of your forearm. It looked like at least Uh the ones he was wearing in qualifying. And uh, it just reminded me of Princess Peach. Uh, (laughs) Like, uh, you know, I, and I I think most drivers, they go up that far, don't they? Do they? I thought they were kind of like batting gloves. Like they kind of, you know. They're, I mean, they're like Nomex. So they're made to prevent any sort of. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was really prominent on him. And maybe it's because they were white. Um, I don't know. It was, uh, you're probably right. I'm probably an idiot. But <laughs> I thought it was, I noticed it. Well, but... maybe, maybe he needs to work on his, uh, his uh, wardrobe. So like. When um, so Ferrucci's racing most of the season mm-hmm. was. Are there Ferrucci's why, racing the whole people, season? If you can, why why would people only race one race? Um, so sometimes it's budget for a lot of people race just the Indy five hundred because there's thirty three starting positions. Uh-huh. Um, and there's usually not that many yeah. full time entries, so. In in like in someone like Marcus Armstrong, his case, um, he's coming from a background with no oval experience, and so asking him to hop in an Indy car and run the Indy five hundred is kind of a lot. And then you got a yeah. guy like Takuma Sato, who's won two Indy five hundreds, and his, I mean, he's like forty something, so he's been around forever. He's got a, a ton of experience, but a lot of times it's like. They've got extra, some of these teams, they've got extra people on staff and, you know, the payout for the Indy 500, if you can, if you can put together a competitive team and, and go have a chance to win, like it'll pay off. Does, does each race have a payout? Um, Yeah, they do have purses. I think they're pretty small. So IndyCar has this thing called the, the leader circle where they essentially take a huge portion of what they would pay out as purses for each race um and they divide it evenly over the top 20 entries from the previous season and the series just gives them that money ahead of time so they know how much to budget um so 16 out of the 17 races they don't even advertise what the purses are because i think they're pretty small um i just don't if if i were an owner and my driver was sick or something Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't win a prize, like I couldn't win something for racing, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I, I would, but I guess it's an opportunity to, to learn about the car, learn about a driver. I can understand it from that perspective. Uh, it just, it was interesting. It's interesting to me that, you know, these guys might fill in, they might score points and then it's just, uh, it kind of dissipates into nothingness, uh, at the end of the season. I mean, I, I mean, like it's all worked into the budget somehow. I mean, if, if they were racing for these purses, you know, 
like they're planning on getting that money at some point. They're just kind of giving it to him ahead of time. And it also helps like I can't remember when they started this program, but it helps the smaller teams stick around. It helps the car count because then, you know, it goes a long way towards fielding a full-time car. So they did it more to kind of promote the general health of the series. But I get what you're saying. Like if you're going out and you're winning $40,000 for winning an IndyCar race, like that doesn't seem worth it, but you have to factor in the money they're getting at the beginning of the year. And like the Indy 500 pays out a ton of money. Like Marcus Erickson won 3.1 million last year for winning the Indy 500. If I had a car that's 500 grand and I have an opportunity to win 40 grand, what's the incentive for me to throw a driver out there who's not scoring points in the long term? You know, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're not going to throw it out there if they don't have the the money to the budget do it, you know? And I mean, no one's racing because they want to make money. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it makes sense for F1 where Mercedes is you know, throwing all this money into it. Cause it's essentially marketing. People don't think about it that way, but mm-hmm. Mercedes is in formula one because it's marketing. It's not, yeah. it's not because they, they love to race. I mean, it is to some degree, but like they're going to get that money back in some other way yeah. because however many millions of people who are watching F1 every year who love Lewis Hamilton are going to be like, I want to buy a Mercedes because Lewis Hamilton yeah. drives a Mercedes. You know what I mean? I would argue. I don't know. Does he drive a Mercedes? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, it's not a real. Yeah. <laughs> he has a car that says Mercedes. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a Mercedes but, engine uh, in there. It's a Mercedes engine in there. But yeah, it's just something I, I, I'm i just thinking about because it's not as straightforward uh, mm-hmm. as I'm used to. So yeah. yeah. Some last question I had, I guess. Um Okay. There's still a lot I don't know about IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Uh then there's there's still more questions to be answered, I think. Uh but this was like a good I mean, great race to start the season, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it couldn't could not ask for anything more exciting, even if uh some people got banged up. Um I thought uh there were a lot of moments. I, I audibly yelled at one point. Uh <laughs> uh it takes a lot for me to do that as a more quiet person. Yeah. Um. And I felt emotions. I don't know why I was more invested than I, I have been previously when I've watched IndyCar. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. No, this was. I couldn't be happier with the start. I wish. I wish there was a race next weekend or you know in two weeks. Um. That's the only complaint, man. Just give me more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we don't have to get into that right now. We'll do a show ahead of. <laughs> I don't know if we'll do one next week. We'll definitely do one ahead of Texas. Um. And then again, throughout the season, following up with each race and previewing each race. But um, yeah, we can talk about that on our next episode um, about the extended break and the uh, the three week wait we have for the next race, which is obviously we just get bask in the glory of the husky chocolate machine, you know, <laughs> which you cannot buy in the U.S. Cool. Well, is that is that everything for this week? I think we covered it. You got any final thoughts? No, that does it for me. All right, man. Well, it's been good. Good chatting. Good learning. Cool. I'm excited for the next one. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ. That's Tyler Page. If you want to get hold of us, 
shoot us an email at 16streetpod at gmail.com or tweet at us at 16streetpod on Twitter, which I guess is implied by tweet at us. Anyway, that's all we've got. Take care. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Who's gonna win it?